When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, we are uh, recording this on Friday morning, July 1st. The Mets had two off days uh, this week, which is always a strange thing when that happens, especially when it happens in the end of June. It's not. I feel like that's a very April thing in the baseball schedule, but this has been a strange year for a number of reasons, schedule-wise, uh, facilitated by that late start. But regardless, uh, the Mets came into this weekend. Uh, the, sorry, since the last time we recorded, the Mets took two of three from the Marlins. Looked like the Mets you'd expect them to look like. They lost a walk off on Sunday. That was a real uh, shame. But you know those things happen. They came into the game Tuesday, got just beat like no one's business by the uh, Astros, and then lost a uh, a heartbreaker wasting a great Taiwan Walker start on Wednesday. So the Mets have lost uh, three games in a row for the first time this season. I know you're not panicking too much as I know you, but uh, aside from please let Houston not make the World Series, if the Mets make the World Series, do you have any like lingering thoughts from this uh, week's baseball? That was pretty much the big one. I don't want to see the Astros in the World Series. It would be a good problem to have. But it's kind of how I felt uh, about the Rangers if they had made it to the Stanley Cup final. They had been obliterated by the Avalanche in the regular season. And 
look, if you're in that position, of course, you're going to take it. Your team is playing for the championship and, and it's sport. Um, but it would be nice if the Astros could maybe not make it to the World Series and if the Mets could. Yes. <laughs> but I, I don't know. If that does happen, I think there's a lot of time between now and then that you could determine – what exactly you would think you'd get out of Carlos Carrasco in that situation, but I would be very reluctant to let him face that lineup. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. And I like him and he's been good overall. And I don't know if I'm maybe overreacting, but and it didn't help his cause that he faced them a week apart after getting shelled the first time and then had the same thing happen the second time. Um, but if it does come to that, maybe there's other starting pitchers who you want to let handle all of the games. This is the similar situation to like if the Mets play a playoff game on the West Coast, maybe you don't let Chris Bassett start that game, right? <laughs> like, uh, just, right. Or you know, look, I I know a, a seven game series is still a small sample size, but if the Mets are up three nothing and it's Carrasco's turn in the rotation, maybe you let him pitch then, right? Yeah, there, there's a chance that you could get to that part of the season, and let's all you know hope that they do. There's a chance they could get there and have four pitchers who are clearly better anyway. Yes, which would sort of negate any awkwardness uh, of of having to do that. But I I do think it's good that this is still something we're thinking about. I am not worried that the sky is falling. I'm not really too concerned that they lost their third game in a row. Uh, the Astros have just taken it to the New York teams. The, they, the Yankees held their own against them more so than the Mets did, uh, and they're still playing them now. But the Astros have taken advantage of what had to look like a tough uh, stretch on their schedule coming up. Right. Playing only the Yankees who are, on uh, I don't know, on pace to maybe break their own record uh, or close to it in terms of the number of wins in a regular season. Um. I think they're still on pace to beat the Mariners record, actually. Oh, right, right. It was the Mariners who had the the uh, the all-timer in what, yeah, 2000... the, the, the the 0-1 Mariners. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but uh, the Astros are looking like a team that is a uh, should be taken very seriously throughout. Yes, yes. And look, you know the the Astros are uh, they face the Mets without their two best starting pitchers. They faced them in the first series without Jeff McNeil. You know, I, I'm not making excuses for this. The Mets can get beat by teams. It happens. And if it's if they're going to look absolutely foolish against a team, I would rather it be against a team with a 73 run, with a plus 73 run differential, right. a team that is a clearly a legitimate team and is going to be okay. That is way better than, like, if if they looked this bad this weekend against the Rangers, who are two games under five hundred, then I'll start to be more worried. Um, you know, but that that's that's not likely to happen. So yes, the the, the Astros series was a bummer, especially because like with Carrasco, it seems like occasionally he would just have these starts that you can just tell from the beginning this isn't going to go his way. And so I was actually at the game on Tuesday, and I met up with uh, Amazing Avenue writer Vass for just a quick check-in in the, the uh, top of the first. We both got into the game and just were hanging out, and we were sort of in center field, I'm sorry, rather behind home plate, um, 
in like the promenade area there, and we were watching on the screen as we were just talking for a moment. And when the home run happened, we looked at each other and just said, like, well, I guess this is going to be one of those games. All right, I'll see you later. <laughs> like, it just it seemed pretty clear that this was a game that just Carrasco was not going to have it. And the thing, the one thing that I will say worries me is that the Mets early in this season would not have let a four nothing first inning feel like the end, feel like the game was already over. They've been very good at coming back, and that's tapered off a little bit since uh, the start of the season. So that's the only thing that worries me. I, I wish there was just a little bit more fight in them when it comes to coming back right now. Yeah. And again, I have not crunched those numbers. That could actually be something that I'm just full of shit about. But it just seemed to me like they're used to... Uh, in the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have necessarily... I wouldn't have thought it was as serious with a four-run deficit in the first inning as I do right now. But again, that is not the end of the world. Um, it seems to me like the Mets are getting into a stretch of the season, not just schedule-wise, but also health-wise, where you, you, you get the impression that things are going to start becoming very clear as to whether or not the Mets are for real or not. Um, you know, I think that seeing Scherzer and DeGrom on the way back, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but that's to me that's the real litmus test. If the Mets can keep – if the Mets can really, you know, pick it up and get back to a pace that was more like end of – May pace versus end of June pace with Scherzer underground there, then I don't think there's anything to worry about whatsoever. Yeah. And I think it's worth pointing out as I think it was Dave in our uh, Slack who who pointed it out. I want to give credit to, I think the person who, who brought it up, but <laughs> <laughs> the Phillies and the Braves had out of this world stretches. Yes. Uh, in the month of June, and the Mets held their own. Uh, they they obviously were not <clears throat> operating at 100%. They're still in first place. I, as of right now, they do not have the best record in the National League, but they're a half game behind that. Uh, those are points that we've been harping on throughout all of this. And look, maybe the Braves play 700 baseball for the rest of the season, but they probably don't. So... And, and the Mets have a huge opportunity to influence that. They have barely seen each other yet this year, and they're going to see each other a lot. Yes. Uh, so there's an opportunity the, here to to sort of reestablish a dominant lead in the division, and things didn't go that badly. No, the Mets went 13 and 12 in June. Right. But that's, I mean, you would hope for better than that, but. The fact that they're still in first place, that they still have a three-and-a-half game lead in first place, that's a testament to how strong they were earlier in the season. And so they definitely have a chance to get back to that, especially with Max Scherzer looking to start. Do we know what day he's going to be starting yet? I don't think we know specifically yet. Uh, I will I will say it was a little disappointing for people in Connecticut who may have bought a ticket when the Mets and the Yard Goats announced that Scherzer was pitching on Tuesday night, and then he got moved to Wednesday night, sort of at the last minute. I think it was fair when that happened to be concerned, maybe oh, mildly yeah. concerned, but yeah, okay, yeah. that that's not, <clears throat> that's not what was planned, so 
why the change. They didn't give any real reason. Uh, well, I, they gave one. The reason I had heard was that because of the off days and all of that, it wouldn't affect when he would be starting for the Mets. So they would give him one extra day of rest just to just to give him the extra day of rest. Yeah, doesn't really make any sense, but you know, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, and I, I in that I saw that they had mentioned. It wouldn't change the number of starts that he got in before. I'm sorry, that's what it was. It wasn't that, that. That's what it was. I'm I'm misremembering. Yes. Ah, okay, okay, but yeah, it's it's nice. I, I, going back to how how you open the show, honestly, it's really nice that the Mets have games tonight and every night or day for the next 17 days. It, yes. To have come off a stretch where they were home, the weather was absolutely perfect. And they played one night game and one day game in a four day stretch while it, like the last day of school happened in New York City and presumably was similarly timed in, in other schools just you know outside the city. Like, what a stupid wasted opportunity on major you're league baseball schedule. You're, you're also forgetting they had an off day Thursday before that. Right. Well, yeah, no, no, that that factors they, they, in too. They weren't at home for that, but um, but just the fact that you know the Mets had three off days in eight days is a little bit silly to then have a stretch of seventeen without an off day, right? Yeah, but hey, I the regularity of the baseball schedule is I think one of the best things about the sport and the yes the opportunity to bounce back the next day and let's hope that this is something I don't want to say that they have to win ten games in a row they obviously don't but. <laughs> <laughs> But you look at these teams and <clears throat> there's an opportunity ahead of them here to really rattle off uh, something good. Even if it's just winning each series, you're still looking at uh, seven and three stretch in the next 10. Yeah. And they have three and against that, the Braves, which will be tough. But then right. they have four against the Cubs going into the All-Star break. Yeah. So this is a an exciting stretch as a Mets fan, I think. This Let's is the opportunity so. to uh, sort of pad that lead a little bit. The Braves and Phillies are playing each other, and that that only helps. We know those aren't going to be easy games, even with Bryce Harper on the shelf. Uh, oh, wait, that series is over. Never mind. They played each other. <laughs> <laughs> now the Braves got the Reds right now, so shit. both teams have an opportunity. So shit. To- <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I feel like this show has become us looking at the schedule and convincing ourselves everything's okay, but I really do think everything's okay. So here we are. Yeah, um, I think uh, time on Walker's start was good, like a nice reminder. Uh, and Chris Bassett overall has had some good ones since those bad ones. Uh, but just reminders that the rotation does have other good arms, not just major league capable arms right Uh, so i know the broadcast during the day game had mentioned uh the the rotations era since scherzer went down uh, or over the last few weeks i forget what the actual cutoff was but the rotation era for some period of time now in the absence of those two aces has been fairly high but i think they're capable of more than that so i'm not i'm not panicking too much yet yeah i agree i agree completely um 
Well, let's talk about the return of Scherzer. When Scherzer is back, do you anticipate him to be eased in slowly, or because he's Max Scherzer, is he going to come out and throw like you know ninety pitches in his first uh, in his first start? Yeah, I think it'll be pretty much that. Uh, <laughs> did you happen to read the story in the, in the uh, Athletic where they talked to a bunch of his former catchers or pitching coaches or? I had skimmed it. I had not read the whole thing. Okay, so it was it was pretty good. Um, I forget which pitching coach it was, but there was one who was told by his manager to go out and talk to Scherzer and basically just said no. And then the manager insisted, and then he started to walk out, and Scherzer yelled at him to get back in the dugout and not come out there. <laughs> um, and I think... Also within that, Buck Walter had said that Scherzer told him that when he comes out to uh, take him out of a game, Scherzer's going to ask who he's bringing in before he gives his approval to leave. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I love it. I lo- It's like non-toxic uh, intensity is, right. is the way that it seems. Because everybody seems to love him, and they all seem to think he's a little bit uh, – in, over the top with his intensity, but it doesn't seem like he's doing anything that makes his teammates uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, I think it'll be as long as he feels he's good. I think that's how long he'll stay in the game. Um, I wouldn't expect 120 pitches or anything like that, but this is he's going to be coming back against a team that I would assume would be the Reds, and if not, it would be the Marlins. Um, he's going to come back against a team that should be, I don't know, relatively easy for for him. And even a bad major league team is not easy to face as a pitcher, but as Max Scherzer, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's not coming back against the Padres, Yankees, uh, you know, just like Astros. Right. Yeah, no, I, I concur with that. Um, oh, oh, this just dawned on me. I was supposed to start the show by acknowledging a, an embarrassing error. I, I referenced the Simpsons 137th show <laughs> yeah. spectacular, which was off by one. It's the 138th. And, uh, and I'm ashamed of that. And I just had to get that off my chest. You are truly a disappointment to McShane's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so that is um, that. That's the Scherzer situation. We know that Degrom is ready to make some rehab appearances. It's probably still going to be after the All Star break when he's back in Queens. But you know, that's about to be expected. Um, we are, you know, getting close to the All Star break in terms of you know, like I said, there's 17 games in a row and then the break. And it looks like the Mets are going to have a couple of representatives from the uh, team at the All-Star game, and that's always fun. Alonzo, I believe, is going to do the Harmon Derby again, right? Has he publicly announced that? Uh, I think I – don't, I don't know if he – I forget exactly how he put it. I thought I heard the broadcast one day say that he said he would do it so long as he was an All-Star, but – I can't imagine him actually turning it down, even if he's not. I feel like it's his literally his favorite thing in the whole world. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then right after the All Star break is the the trade deadline. What is the date for the trade deadline this year? Didn't it change? I believe it's August 2nd and possibly because of a holiday of some sort. Yes, uh, August 2nd. Okay. So we're not quite there yet, but I, we're not going to talk about specifics yet, but is there any position that you think on the Mets is going to be sort of the clear needs to upgrade, aside from the bullpen? We all know it's the bullpen. In addition to bullpen, is there anything you would like to see them add? Um, so I'm not as concerned about the lineup. I, I think some people are a little more so on that front, but it's one of those things that when you look at what they've gotten, um, another solid major league hitter or two definitely couldn't hurt. Um, it's been really nice that Luis Guillaume is still proving to be a capable major league hitter to go along with his uh, excellent, excellent defense, which has still been, even as the Mets have been losing, has been a whole lot of fun to watch. Oh, the the second to last plate appearance of that Sunday game, uh, Guillaume made an amazing diving catch that was yeah. instantly over overpowered by a walk off home run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you, you look up and down. I, I think, I think it's fair to maybe want them to find a little bit of an upgrade in terms of what they're getting I mean, right now. Their bench as listed on roster resource on fan graphs. Uh, and I think it's fairly accurate as to how it looks right now. Tomas Nito, Dom Smith, J.D. Davis, Ender and Ciarte. There's not a threat off the bench there right now. No, so, Davis is the closest to a threat, and he hasn't been much of a threat at all. Yeah, yeah. And it, it'd be one thing if he was sort of hovering around league average with some pop. Uh but it's it's been a while now, and it, look, he hasn't played nearly as much since then. But 22 home runs in uh, 453 plate appearances in 2019, that was a pretty good amount of power, uh, and that just hasn't been a part of his game <clears throat> on that level. Uh, I always like isolated slugging for that, uh, you know. So that year it's 220, but then the pandemic season last year in the mid 100s and right now it's 101 for this year so i don't know it's just getting harder to imagine that that is going to be a something that's a significant part of his game 
Yeah. Uh, like that that's a capable bat, not somebody who should be designated for assignment or anything, but uh but yeah, there's there's some room for improvement there. And obviously Eduardo Escobar is somebody who is not hitting anywhere near uh his usual self, especially the one from the last three full seasons that he had played. So you know, there's there's some room for improvement there, but I don't think they have to necessarily go out and get a huge bat. I think finding a couple pieces who could uh, slot in and, and complement the ones that they already have, that would be fine. There was uh, some uh, some chatter, I believe it was last night, that the Mets are interested in Trey Mancini and the Orioles as a potential acquisition. And... Uh, I think that's probably the the highest level of player that they're going to reasonably be able to get because of just the way that this playoff system is working. So many teams are in it. There's gonna be so many teams offering those teams that are that are underperforming. I don't know if the Mets have the farm to necessarily go out and land like a superstar, um, but you know, so far this season, Manzini is batting you know uh, two eighty with uh, one twenty three OPS plus. He's, you know, he has seven home runs. He has 14 doubles. That's okay power. That's not fantastic power. Um, you know, and, and he he's essentially at this point uh, a first baseman slash outfielder. He'd probably be mostly a DH for the Mets. I mean, that that's certainly looking better than J.D. Davis is right now, but I don't know if Trey Mancini is necessarily the answer. But like I said, I don't think... I am trying not to get my hopes up that the Mets are going to go and land a huge player because I just don't think they have the system for that. And I don't think there's anybody on the major league roster who is redundant, who offers enough value. Like, I don't know what Dom Smith gets you, essentially. I don't know what J.D. Davis gets you. So I don't I don't feel confident saying like, oh, they could just trade one of those guys for a useful piece because I don't know if other people are going to see them as useful at all. Yeah, Chris. Uh, I thought I lost you for a second there. No, okay, no, no. Back. I just didn't know what to say about Tom Smith's <laughs> yeah. trade value. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, but I don't know what the 2022 version of Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson is, but something along those lines is sort of what I think they could use. Um, and it's not that if they could find some amazing player who they could get and either as a rental or, or for a longer period of time. Sure. That would be great. It's not like they have a situation where you couldn't find that person at bats, but I do think that that level of addition would be acceptable for, for yes. what they have right now. Absolutely. Yes. There's just probably no UN assessment out there. No, 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 there's not. But thankfully this team has been much better than the, pre-Cespedes version of the 2015 Mets up to this yes, point. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into our music picks for the week, which I haven't really locked down yet, but I will momentarily. <laughs> yeah, and I also have not. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ramble for a minute while I check to see if I ever recommended a an album by them. They're not exactly a, a new band and not a currently active band. For anybody who listens to this show, oh, I did. I did recommend one 
record by Sonic Youth. But I think I'll do another one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I recommended uh, Rather Ripped in the past, which is a, a, I really do think that they were making good records uh, in their late years before the band broke up. And it's somewhere in my mind, I've been, I think anybody who's liked them has sort of thought, well, maybe you never know. Uh, it, despite knowing that the main reason of the split of the band was uh, the relationship between Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon, who had been married and in the band together for a very long time until uh, neither of those things were true. So, uh, you know, it's maybe wishful thinking that they would ever play a show again, but selfishly, I'd love to see it happen, you know? So yeah. with, with that in mind, um, I really, like the, obviously Daydream Nation is, is sort of the, the seminal record and there've been some other ones that are, that are right up there, but um, I'm going to stick with the late era uh, so the Eternal by Sonic Youth, I thought was an excellent record. Um, they, I, I thought of this record fairly recently when Wilco did their run of the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot shows at the United Palace Theater in Washington Heights. Um, I, I believe the only other show I had seen there was Sonic Youth while they were touring the Eternal. And then it was one of those things where the, the like the venue started getting shows of bands that I liked uh, and then just didn't for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautifully restored theater. I like it much more than King's Theater in Brooklyn. That might be my northern New York City bias <laughs> coming into play. <laughs> but I really do think like I think I think it sounds better in there. It's not quite as uh, cavernous in terms of how far away or or close you feel to the stage um it's a pretty cool spot and just being there for that show uh geez a few months ago now i was thinking of sonic youth and and these songs in particular Uh, and i really think it, it was always the case on their records but um i think it does a really good job of showcasing uh, Thurston songs, Kim Gordon songs, and Lee Ronaldo songs, uh, and that's that's always nice. I, I appreciate as someone who has made a record with four different people uh, writing or, or on vocals across the length of the record. I appreciate when that can be done well. Uh, and this song, uh, this song, this record has all of that. So, um, if and it probably is if it is the final Sonic Youth record. Uh, It's appropriately titled and uh, hell of a way to wrap up a career of a band. Um, And one that made a whole lot of records, but yeah. And my favorite thing about, or uh, sort of my favorite side note about The Eternal, uh, my previous band that I played in, uh, and who knows, we might play a show at some point uh, it, again in the future. I think 2018 was the last time we did, but uh, that band is Lightning Crabs. We never recorded anything in a studio, but we 
set up some mics in a rehearsal space that we were using and made just absolute amateur sounding recordings of our songs, uh, put them on, like burned them on CDs, made like by hand, we made unique uh, album covers to like put in the CD mm-hmm. jacket thing. <laughs> and so every one of them was different. I don't know where most of them are now, but they went out into the world. And one of them was handed to Mike Watt after a set that he played at, uh, at Maxwell's in Hoboken. And he winds up bringing it back home with him and he's doing his internet radio show. And he played Sonic Youth, uh, a song from the eternal. I forget which one, but played one of their songs followed by one of our songs from our very DIY CD that we handed to him. And we were like, that's it. That's our biggest musical accomplishment ever. Mike Watt played (laughs) us next to to Sonic Youth. Like, hell yes. (laughs) It's pretty hard to top that. So very nostalgic, I guess, for for a record uh, that that I do still think is very good. That's That's an amazing story. It's very, very cool. Thank you. Um, my story is not as cool as that. <laughs> it, would be, it would be hard to be as cool as that for today. Um, but I am going to review. So this is the first weekend that it's supposed to be like consistently in the 90s around here. There's been a couple of days here and there. And I think when I was in Atlanta, uh, it was very hot here. But regardless, it, it has been a, a not blisteringly hot summer yet. But I'm going to recommend a record that to me really feels like summer. And that is R.E.M.'s Reveal. It's from 2001. It's their second record after Bill Berry left the band. And the, that first record, is, is very. it very much feels like a band trying to figure out what they are as a three-piece. It doesn't... I don't think it sounds very cohesive. I think that they're... There's a lot of drum machines. There's also a lot of... They, they brought in a couple of drummers to play on some tracks. And it just feels a little bit tentative and unsure of itself. I actually like a lot of the music on that record, but I think as an album, like as a front to back experience, it doesn't work as well as Reveal does. And Reveal, I, I'm trying to look when it came out. Um, it came out on May 14th, 2001, and it was recorded mostly in the uh, in the late summer, early fall of the year before. But there's a couple of songs, there's a song called Beach Ball that obviously... Is a summary song. There's a song called Summer Turns to High, which obviously is a summer song. But the album just feels, to me, it feels very humid. I know that's a weird thing to say, that a record can feel like a weather pattern, but it feels very humid and very, I, I, it just, when I listen to it, it sounds like, it sounds like it feels how it feels to be in a car that's been sitting in a parking lot all day. At the end of the day, you get in to drive home. And the car just feels like stuffy. I know that's not the greatest feeling in the world, but that somehow is makes it really good musically. I don't. I I am just <laughs> fully on my bullshit right now. But that is like in my head. That is what this record sounds and feels like. But um, there's a couple of really great songs. There's a song called um, "Imitation of Life" that was kind of a hit for them, but uh, like a late period REM hit, which means it probably got played on, you know, uh, like middle of the road a a classic rock station that's kind of hip probably played it and it probably was never shown on mtv but was in high heavy rotation on vh1 like that that's like a 2001 level rem hit there's a song all the way to reno you're gonna be a star which has like some spaghetti western guitars in it that's very very cool 
this is where they start to incorporate really good use of keyboards and synthesizers without it feeling like a um th th those elements rem used piano and organ forever but this is the first time that the synths sort of I, in my opinion mix well with the rest of the music it doesn't sound like it's like they're experimenting or trying something new it feels like oh this is supposed to be there this is a part of the sound now and um that's uh mostly mike mills the bass player on keyboards this is the uh the first or second record maybe even third with scott mccoy on guitar the leader of the minus five um and uh wilco collaborator scott mccoy it also features the now canceled king ken stringfellow uh i believe he's been canceled right let me check my work on this one of the guys from the posies was canceled and um Yep, that was the one that was canceled. Yeah, he's he's done. And then uh, Joey Warrenker on drums, who has played with Beck for many years and is excellent. So this is... My point is, I think most people give up on R.E.M. after Automatic for the People or maybe Monster, but I think there's a lot of good to be had in the back half of, of R.E.M.'s catalog, and this is a perfect summer record to me. I'll be putting this on as we have folks over tomorrow to set the tone for the for the event and uh, that is revealed by R.E.M. So very different records from us, but both records from bands like late in their late in their uh, runs who are still making better music than maybe people would have thought uh, they're making. That's a theme, right? Yeah, I will say as our little uh, recording platform here kicked me out, so I missed a few seconds of that and, and oh. rejoined. But uh but yeah, I think that qualifies as a theme based on everything I did here. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you didn't miss anything too important. And hopefully you folks did not miss that you can go to AmazingAvenue.com for all of our, for all of your Mets needs, rather, uh, analysis, gamer caps, um, news, etc. All these podcasts, they're all found at AmazingAvenue.com, which you can also find on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. This show is on Spotify. No, it's on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you get podcasts, you can find it. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us out quite a bit. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McChain. I am on Twitter at Brian is an app. And until next time, let's go Mets.